Good to see you all. Thank you for coming out to um, a service. I know I say that every single week, but I'm going to keep saying it every single week because I just think gathering together and being together is essential, and I appreciate so much that you would carve out some of your time, that you'd sacrifice whatever else you could be doing, but that you choose to be here. I appreciate it so much, and I just love singing and being together with all you guys. Thanks for being here. Um, I also want to welcome those of you watching online from wherever you might be. Thank you for tuning in as well. Uh, I wish we could be in person, but I'm glad that we are still able to be connected at least a little bit through this video. So glad you're watching. If you wouldn't mind, just drop a comment in the section down below, or there's a link in the description to let us know that you are watching and how many are watching with you, and that would, that would greatly help us out. Now, before we get into the topic for today and the new series and all that, I just want to give you a little bit of a recap or an update, rather, on Move the Mission. So um, if you are a guest with us here today, maybe Easter was your first time and you're, you're coming back for the second time now, uh, Move the Mission is our kind of 10-year goal as a church to be debt-free. And you may not even have the slightest care about this at all, but just give me some time. I'll try to go through this as quick as I can. But for those of us who are regulars, you will remember that back towards the end of February, beginning of March, we spent a couple weeks talking about our mission as a church, which is to draw people into a growing relationship with God through Jesus Christ and how if we could become debt-free, if we could pay off our mortgage, what sort of opportunities and, and things might God have in store for us to accomplish our mission even better, to reach more people, to draw more people into a growing relationship with God. And there's, there's tons of stuff we talked about. We've got big dreams. I'm not going to go over the details right now. If you are interested or maybe you're a regular but just weren't here in person, there's two messages on our YouTube channel called Move the Mission. You can find out all about that sort of stuff. I just kind of want to give you an update with where we're at. So in regards to this, we had a goal to raise at least $100,000 every single year for the next you know, hopefully less than 10 years to become debt-free. So doing that on top of paying extra on our principal and all sorts of other details, this would, this would help us become debt-free as a church in 10 years or less. And so we, I asked you to please give by the end of April, and I just want to give you an update with where we're at. We're not quite done with the month yet, but we are already at $88,000, a little over. I think that is absolutely fantastic. Um, when, when I heard that was the number this week, I like literally almost leapt out of my seat. And when I see that number, what I see, what I hear is that God is moving in your hearts, that, that you are just as excited and passionate about our mission and reaching people as I am. And I believe that God is leading us as a church, as a whole, to do, you know, immeasurably more than we could ever think and all that sort of stuff. But I, I just want to say, if you have given to this goal, this move the mission goal already, I just want to say thank you. Honestly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for sacrificing to already give 88000 That's not like IOUs. That's not pledges. That is cash that has already come in. And uh, I'm just, I'm so happy. I'm so proud of you guys. Um, I will say this. If you are a regular here and you have not given to move the mission yet, um, there's still time to do that. Now, if, if you're a guest, if you're visiting, if you're not even sure about this whole church thing, um, I know that there's this perception that the church just wants your money. That's not true here. So if you're not bought into our mission, if you don't consider this your church home, please, please don't feel any obligation to give. I mean, if you want to, that's fine, but there's no pressure. That's, that's why we don't pass buckets or bags or collection plates is because giving shouldn't be done out of pressure or manipulation. So just, just relax. But if you are a regular, and I would love and I would encourage you and I would ask and I'd even beg you to please be a part of what God is doing through this Move the Mission campaign. And, and to get to $100,000, I mean, we're almost there already, but... 
During that two-week series, I kind of laid out a couple different options. You know, one of them would be if 100 families gave an extra $1,000 a year, well, that's another $100,000. I mean, that's just simple math, right? That's easy to do. Um, I know that for my family, we decided to give our entire last stimulus check plus some above that, and I don't, I'm just telling you that's what we did. You don't have to do that. Don't feel like it's not a, it is not a competition or anything. Just relax. But I'm, I think sometimes our heart wants to give, right? Like we want to be involved, but we just don't see, man, where's the money going to come from? Maybe a stimulus check. Maybe your tax return this year. Maybe you can sell something you've been holding on for way too long. It's just taking up space. Anyway, I don't know, you know? But here's, here's the thing. I would love to see those of us who are regulars, if access is your church, I would love to see 100% participation, even if for you, if that means $20 or $50 or $100. It's, it's not an amount. I would rather see 100% participation than just a few big gifts come in. Now, the bank doesn't care how the money comes in, right? The mortgage gets paid. But I think for your benefit, for our benefit, because one day we are going to be debt-free as a church, We will, and we are going to celebrate what God did in and through us. We are going to look forward to the opportunities and possibilities ahead of us. And I just wouldn't, I would hate for any one of us to feel regret. That as we're celebrating, as we're high-fiving, yeah, look what God did for you to feel like, man, I wish I could have been more a part of that. So whether it's $100 or $1,000 or a million dollars, I still believe that somebody out there has the resources to do that. In fact, Kevin told me to say to Eric, why don't you just go ahead and finish it off? That wasn't my thing. He just came up to me during worship and said that, so I told him I'd say it, and that's just it. That doesn't mean the rest of us don't have to give, okay? Just, I was told to say that. But here's the thing. Whatever it is, let's all give right? Let's be a part of what God is doing. Let's, let's work together and partner together to move our mission forward for the sake of the people that we have yet to reach. So um, one more thing about Move the Mission is if you are going to give to this or if you have given already, please, 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 let's all make sure that it is over and above our regular giving. Um, it's through your regular generosity, your giving, that the ministry happens here at the church runs, that we pay our bills, that we buy kids' supplies, that we make updates, you know, technology-wise and building-wise and maintenance and, and all that sort of stuff. So if move the mission giving goes up, but regular giving goes down, that doesn't help anything. So, um, you know, when this campaign started, there was a week or two already where we had kind of some abnormally low giving, regular giving. Just please, please, Keep your regular giving up if you give. If you don't, maybe you could start. Again, no pressure, but then move the mission on top. And if you have any questions about this, if you have concerns, um, come talk to me after service. If you're watching online, go to our website. My email is there. I love talking about this stuff. I'd be happy to answer any questions you have, but that's move the mission. And uh, as we get closer to this goal, I'm, you know what? I'm hopeful by the end of this week, we're past 100. Maybe we can hit 150 or even 200. I mean, who knows? So, uh, but anyway, that's move the mission. Questions, ask me later. Today, we are starting a brand new eight-week series. It's going to last us all the way through Memorial Day weekend or the weekend that nobody shows up to church, as I call it. Um, We're starting an eight-week series, and it is called Better Than Ever. And here's, here's the heart behind this series, okay? I have been a Christian for about 20 years Um, I have been in full-time ministry working at the church for about 15 years, and I have heard so many times people say things like, you know, I've just never really experienced God's presence. I've heard people make comments like, yeah, I mean, I know about God, but I I don't really feel close to him. 
or people put their trust in Jesus for the first time. In fact, maybe you're here today and you were one of the 19 people that raised your hand last week to put your trust. I want you to know if that's you, we have been celebrating you all week. I have been on an emotional high just thinking about you and praying for you. That is awesome. But maybe you put your trust in Jesus and now you're just asking questions like, well, now what? Now what do I do? And that's really, that's, that's really kind of the impetus for this series is how do we build a relationship with God that is better than ever? And so throughout the course of this series, we're going to be talking about very practical, applicable action steps that you and I can take to actually make our relationship with God so that we can know him more, so that we can experience him more, so that we can trust him more, so that we can feel his presence in our lives better than ever. But I want to start off by kind of defining what I mean by better, because I think there's this this misconception or there's this, you know, kind of ideology out there about what it means when you know God and things get better. I kind of think of it like wish. Anybody familiar with what wish is? Anybody know? Okay, a few of you. Let me explain it to the rest of you. Wish is like Amazon, but for cheap Chinese knockoffs, okay? That tells you pretty much everything you need to know, but let me explain it some more. So you go onto their app or you go onto their website and they've got I mean, everything that you could possibly dream of. They have it there, and they have 18 different versions, and they all look awesome, and they're all like $3, okay? So they're 97% cheaper than you can find anywhere else. And so you're, you're browsing through, and you end up adding stuff to the cart that you didn't even know you needed, but now that you know it exists, now you know you need it, and you go through, and you got to wait four years for it to ship from China. <laughs> but here's the thing. When you order something from Wish... What you think you're getting and what you actually end up getting are not always the same, okay? And some people have made a video about this. I want you to watch this. Moral of the story, just buy it off Amazon, it'll be way better, so, or shop local. So, um, <clears throat> I don't know if any of you have watched this show on Netflix, it's called Nailed It. My oldest daughter watched it, Audrey, she's really into baking. Let me give you the premise of the show, okay? Nailed It is a show where a professional baker, cake designer, decorator person makes this just amazing looking cake. Like, it, it could be a statue in a museum somewhere. And then they get three regular schmucks like me to come in and try and recreate it on a timeline, okay? They got like 37 minutes to do it. And the results are not quite what you'd expect, okay? The the expectation is different than reality. I want to show you some of these cakes just because they make me laugh. I mean, here's a beautiful wedding cake and here's, uh, you know, they didn't sign the prenup or something. I don't know, like just, it's horrible. It's a disaster. Here's another one. This one is crying in joy, and this one is crying because it's so stinking ugly. This last one is my absolute favorite, okay? (laughs) 
This is supposed to be a shark eating a person on a safe surfboard with waves and foam and all that. And this looks like a frog who's missing half of its DNA. Okay, so like, just, I mean, it's a true. And I look, I'm not judging these people, right? If I were to go on this show, it would be even worse. But all I'm saying is that sometimes what we think we're getting, what we think we're signing up for, isn't exactly what we end up getting in reality. And this happens in so many different areas of life. Maybe for you, it's, it's with a relationship. Maybe you're married to somebody or you're dating somebody. And you just, you think, oh, I found the one. They're perfect. We're going to live in fairy tale land forever. We'll never have a fight. It'll just be all roses all the time. And then two months later or two years later or 20 years later, you find yourself wondering if you ordered your spouse from Wish, right? Like, this, uh, this, this is not what I ordered. Okay, hopefully you didn't order your spouse, but if you do, we'll talk later. But, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I thought it was going to be one way and then it turns out that's not exactly what I thought. Or maybe it's with your job, you know, you're, you're working a job and you decide, man, okay, I want to go get my dream job. I want to go back to school, start my own company, whatever it is, because you think I'm going to have less problems. I get to be the boss. I get to make the decision. No more stress anymore. And six months into the new job, six months into your new business, and what do you have? It's just different stress. It's just different problems. Now, instead of just being responsible for yourself, now you're responsible for all your employees. And like, what we think we're getting into sometimes isn't always the reality that we end up, end up living. And I think the same thing, unfortunately, unfortunately, the same thing happens in Christianity. Because we have been told from certain people like Joel Osteen or Kenneth Copeland, and if you don't know who they are, wonderful. If you listen to them, I'm going to just say one time, that's bad teaching, don't listen to it anymore. But we have been told from pastors and churches and televangelists and stuff that, man, if you just have enough faith, then your life is going to be awesome. And you can have a multi-million dollar home. And you can have a supermodel spouse. And your kids are going to get into Harvard. And if you just have enough faith, if you just trust God, if you just send in your monthly payment of $29.95, okay, I added that in. No, they added in too, but man, you'll just never have problems in your life. You will be set. You'll never be sick. Your kids will never disbehave, and you, you, will, you will always get the front parking spot at Walmart. Praise God. Unfortunately, unfortunately, that's not true. That's not the case. Now, will building a relationship with God make our lives better? Absolutely, it will. Without a doubt, yes, it will. But will it make our lives better according to the American dream? Will it make our lives better according to what we would just kind of naturally want and desire? Probably not. And here's the thing, as we kind of kick off this series better than ever, I just want to make sure that we understand what better really means. Because I don't want to manipulate any of you into something. I'm not trying to pull a fast one over you. I want us to know what I mean when I say better than ever. And in fact, even Jesus himself warned people before they started following him. Luke records this. He says this, as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to even lay his head. Somebody comes up and says, Jesus, I want to be with you. I'm going to follow you. Let's go. Let's do it all in Jesus' time out. Before you make a decision, before you get too far in this, I want you to know something. It's not all about big houses and easy living. It's not all about more money in the bank. It's not like your life is going to go perfect. In fact, some areas may get more difficult. He goes on. Luke records this. He said, Jesus said to another person, come follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first, before I do that, first let me return home and bury my father. 
But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Now that sounds harsh, because it is. That's very in your face. But here's, here's the essence of what Jesus is saying. is If you want to know me, if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to experience more of God, then, then some things in your life might change. If you want to know me better, then, then your priorities might change as a result. Now I want to put a disclaimer here because this is so important and so many times we miss this. This has nothing to do with salvation. This has nothing to do with us being made right with God. We talked about this last week. I'm going to repeat it again. We are made completely right with God. Not 99%, 100% right with God. When we put our faith, our trust in Jesus, when we believe that he took the penalty for our sins, we are right with God. Completely, holy, totally right. It doesn't matter how we live our lifestyle. It doesn't matter if we, you know, have family relationships lost or do anything like that. It has nothing to do with our behaviors. But what I'm saying, really what Jesus is saying is this, that if you want to build a relationship with God, you might not be able to do the things you've always done. You can't do the same things you've always done and expect different results. And largely, we, we are made totally right with God through faith in Jesus, but whether or not we experience God, how close to God we feel, how much we grow in our relationship with God is largely dependent on us. Now, you might be thinking right now, well, hold on a sec. If that's true, why would I want this then? Like, if... If, if having a relationship with God isn't going to make my life better, or at least better according to my definition, why, like, why do any? Why not just trust Jesus and then go about living my life the way I always have? And that's an option. You certainly can do that. But I believe you would be missing out on some of the best parts of Christianity. You see, Jesus came for one reason and one reason alone to make us right with God. But why? Because we were originally designed, we were created, made in God's own image so that we could have a relationship with God. Unfortunately, we've all sinned. That's why Jesus had to come to pay the penalty, but so that we could be back in a relationship with God so that we could experience him more. It's through a relationship with God that we, we, we can walk with him and talk to him and experience his presence and his calm and his security and his peace and joy in our lives. And my fear is, because I've heard it from so many people and I don't want it for you, I don't want it for me, my fear is that so many of us put our trust in Jesus and that is awesome. But then we stop there. And we don't grow any closer to God. We don't build our relationship with him. And I'm telling you, we are missing out on some of the best things. Not only a relationship with God, you know, in heaven forever, obviously, but also a relationship with God here and now where he fills and fulfills us from the inside. And so I want to look at some of what that means to, to build a relationship with God that's better than ever, how that actually looks and what that means for our lives getting better. And, and when I think about it, to me, when I, when I try and think of somebody who was close to God and the best example for us, it's a man named Paul. And if you've been around this church for a while, if you watch these videos pretty regularly, you know that we talk about Paul a lot. But in case you're new here, in case you're not very familiar with reading the Bible, let me give you some backstory to Paul, okay? Paul started off his life as a Jewish man named Saul. 
We don't know much about his background. He doesn't have a biography, but in some of his letters and documents he wrote that make up the New Testament, he gives us kind of some highlights of what his life was like before. He says that he was a pure-blooded Jew, which to first-century Jewish people was very important. That was already kind of a leg up. He tells us that he was taught by some of the best teachers. Um, In fact, at a young age, he had already kind of accomplished becoming a Pharisee, which for, for people in that culture, was right up there towards the top of the ladder. He had power, he had influence, he had prestige, he had great friends, he had possessions. Anything Paul wanted to do, he could do. He was living the Jewish dream life. Not the American dream, but the Jewish dream, right? He, he was at one point in his life, he took it personally upon himself to stomp out Christianity, which sounds crazy now, but to a first century Jew, that's a pretty good gig, okay? That's, that's, like, that's something to aspire and achieve towards. Paul had it all, but then he had an experience with God. Then Paul had an encounter with God, and it changed everything. He left behind his Jewish dream life and instead chose to dedicate the rest of his life to spreading the message about Jesus Christ. And as a result, Paul writes some of the craziest words ever. He says this in Philippians. I once thought these things were valuable. What he's talking about there when he says these things, what he means is that power and that prestige and those possessions and those influence in his place in society. I once thought all of that was valuable. If he were here today, if he were writing a letter to Access Church in 2021, he would say, I once thought the American dream was valuable. I once thought that a two-story home on a lake was valuable. I once thought that a new car and a new truck were valuable. I once thought that a cabin up north with two four-wheelers was valuable. I once thought an RV was I once thought a boat was valuable. I once thought 2.5 kids and a white picket fence was valuable. I once thought of, you know, good salary job making six figures. I once thought that was valuable. But Paul discovered something even more valuable. But now, I consider all that worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. Now, garbage is kind of the the safe word that we use in our sanitized Bibles now, but there are some theologians, there are some people that think that Paul probably meant something more like this. Except he didn't say crap. Some people think that Paul used a very offensive, expletive term here as a way of like shaking people up. I want you to understand everything that I thought, everything that I was working towards, what I was trying to build my life around, that is literally dog feces. It is dog excrement compared to God, my relationship with God, everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. And here's the question I think we have to ask ourselves when we read sentences like this and we know Paul's background, the question that begs to be answered is why? Why would somebody write this? Why would somebody say something like this? For Paul, it was because his relationship with God was so much more valuable. Paul's relationship with God was so satisfying, so completing, 
so fulfilling, such a source of joy and contentment and security that everything else paled in comparison. And as Paul writes, you know, these letters to different churches and documents, the things that make up the New Testament, he describes and encourages other believers, other people to experience and build their relationship with God the same way that he had. He talks about different things that are available. If we make our relationship with God better than ever, our lives become better than ever. Paul's life is a testament that it's just better. It's a different kind of better. It's not a material kind of better. He writes in Philippians a little bit later about the peace. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Because then you will experience. That's the key word, right? It's not just read about it. It's not just know it intellectually. It's not just hear a message about it. But you will actually experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Focus on this, on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me. Paul is saying, listen, I've experienced, my life is so much better. The, the better my relationship with God gets, the better my, my life gets. Keep doing everything you've seen from me. When I was there talking to you, keep following through. Why? Because then the God of peace will be with you. And just think to yourself for a moment, okay? Just, just answer this question internally. Do you want this? Do you want that kind of peace? I know it sounds impossible. I know it sounds like a sales pitch or a pipe dream. But Paul says that it's not. See, there was one point in Paul's life where he was the one who was imprisoning people. But when he writes Philippians, he's the one who's imprisoned. He had lost his freedoms. He had lost his possessions. He had lost his ability to go do what he wanted when he wanted. And yet he still writes about this incredible, fulfilling peace from within that comes from his relationship with God. Jesus told his disciples before he left, he said, I'm going to give you a peace of heart and a peace of mind that the world cannot give. And about 30 years later, Paul was experiencing that truth in his life. Not just his words Jesus said, not just his words on a page, but actually experiencing the peace that comes from building a relationship with God. And it's not just Paul. I've experienced that same thing in my life. I've experienced a supernatural, unexplainable, doesn't make sense according to my circumstances, but yet it's still there. Peace from God. A peace when things don't go the way I thought they would. A peace when a loved one is sick. A peace when a, a relationship is severed. There is a peace that is unexplainable when we build a relationship with God. I think about a guy who goes to church here. His name is Andrew Heilman. Some of you probably know who he is, but Andrew Heilman, 10 years ago, he would say he didn't know God at all. I mean, he was probably like a Christian, you know, like most Americans are Christians, but his relationship with God was basically void. But over the last 10 years, he's been working at building that. He's been getting to know God more, hanging around other people, coming to church, all these, all these different things. And last fall, he was diagnosed with cancer. Now, most people, when they get a cancer diagnosis, their world crumbles around them. But not Andrew. 
He, he had spent time building a relationship with God. And when he, got, when he got that diagnosis, yeah, sure, there were times of tears and fears. Yeah, it wasn't always smooth sailing, but his foundation was strong. He was not shaken to the core. Here's a guy who's in his mid-30s, married, two young kids, great job trying to climb the ladder. Everything's going well. Um, he just spent the previous year losing 100 pounds, trying to get healthier and get his life better and then get slapped with a cancer diagnosis that could have taken his life. But what's incredible is, as he talked to me last fall, and as I watched him from the outside going through this journey and driving him to chemo appointments a few times, he would talk in such a way about experiencing such a calm, such a peace on the inside that he knows that God will see him through regardless of the results. Like, you can't make that up in the middle of cancer. He experienced a peace from God. That is unexplainable. Would you want that? Not just know about it, not just read about it, not just intellectually, yeah, it's there sometimes, but what do you want to experience that sort of peace? Because Paul says that is a result of making our relationship with God better than ever, is that our lives get better than ever as well. Paul also talks about experiencing God's love as we grow in our relationship. We can experience his love. He says this in Ephesians. I pray, he's praying for people that from his glorious riches, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down. Like as you build a relationship with God, as you dig your roots into him, as you set your life, as you build a foundation on that, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. He goes on to say, and may you have power to understand, as all God's people should. The kind of um, meaning behind this is not everybody does. I mean, we should, but not everybody does experience how wide and long and high and deep his love is. May you experience, there's the key word again, we can't miss this part. May you experience it, know that you know that you know that you know the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I know it's a cliche in our culture to say God loves you. You know, we just throw that around like it's some flippant phrase. God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, all that sort of stuff. But what if it was more than that? What if it wasn't just a cliche? What if you actually experienced the love of God? What if you just knew, even though it's too much to understand, what if you were just so assured inside that the God of the universe loves you? Not you, plural, like the whole world. I mean, of course that, but you personally, you, you, you watching online, you, that God loves you and cares about you, that he did everything he could to be with you. That even if your spouse or your significant other doesn't love you the way that you need to be loved, God does. That even if a situation doesn't turn out the way that you wanted to know that God hasn't abandoned you, even if you pray for something and God answers a prayer differently than you could have wanted, to know that he is still with you, that he wants to be with you. Wouldn't it be incredible to experience that kind of love, never forsaken, always wants to be with you, to know that from God's perspective, he views you as his, chi as, as his child, that you are his masterpiece, that you are created in his image, that, that the best way God can, des can describe his relationship with you is a loving heavenly father to his precious 
and perfect child. Now, I know that sounds like a hippie commune, right? Like everybody's smoking the good stuff. But what if it wasn't? What if we could actually experience that? Paul says it's possible. Thousands, millions of other Christians throughout the centuries have experienced that same thing. What if that was possible for you? What if making your relationship with God better than ever could actually make your life better than ever as well? And it's not just peace. It's not just love. What about purpose? As long as people have roamed the earth, there have always been questions about what's the meaning of life? Why am I here? Is there something more than this? Purpose. You know what can't answer our questions about purpose? A new truck. A new house can't answer those questions. A new spouse can't fulfill those needs. Having another child can't answer why am I here. But as we build our relationship with God, as we get to know him more, as we trust him more, as we experience his presence in our lives more, he begins to answer those questions for us. What about in areas of our life that we've got some habits or stuff that we know are destructive or they're hurting other people? We just we wish there were certain aspects about our lives that were different, right? For me, that's anger. I get angry way too quickly and way too often. You know what doesn't help? Gritting my teeth, gripping the steering wheel tighter, telling myself, well, just be patient, just be patient. No, 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 no. It's as I build a relationship with God that he develops self-control. And then it's not anymore about me having to do this or having to be less angry. It's just the result that I am less angry. I am less irritable. Not perfect, okay? But God works in me and my life is better as a result. It's as we make our relationship with God better than ever that we experience more patience, more joy, more contentment, even if we don't have all the material things this world offers. Forgiveness, right? There are probably some of you or maybe some of you watching online and you think, you'd never say this out loud, but you think to yourself, nobody could ever forgive me. I've done too much. I don't even deserve forgiveness. It's not pie. I know maybe for some other people, but you feel such like a, a, a negative self-image. You think forgiveness is out of grasp for you. And it's one thing to hear God forgives us. It's one thing to read that God forgives us, but it is something else entirely to experience a forgiveness from our Heavenly Father that we are right with him and that he wants to be with us regardless of our past, regardless of our present, regardless of our future. God wants to be with us. And it moves from just being knowledge up here to being like the defining thing about us that, that it changes the way we view the world and view ourselves and view relationships and what's important and what's not. And I want to look again at what Paul said because this is so I think this is such a revealing section of verses for us to, to check and measure where our relationship with God is. Paul says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value, infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Now, am I here yet? No, I'm not. I'll be honest with you, the bright lights of the American dream still distract me more often than they should. But I've experienced moments of this. And the more time I spend with God, the more this becomes true about my life. The more time I spend with God, the more that I build my relationship with him, 
the less the things of this world entice me and my life gets better as a result. Making our relationship with God better than ever makes our lives better than ever as well. So here's the thing. For the next seven weeks, week one is done. For the next seven weeks, we are going to talk about very easy, practical, applicable, everybody can do this steps. Okay, it doesn't matter whether you've been a Christian your whole life, you're not a Christian yet, you're somewhere in between. These are things that every single one of us can do to build and make our relationship with God better than ever. And I hope and pray that you come back for this entire series. I hope that you engage week in and week out. I hope that you follow through on what we're going to talk about. But here's the thing, here's the catch. You have to do it. I can't do it for you. The person sitting next to you or behind you can't do it for you. We each have to take those steps. But I am telling you, I am promising you, if we will build our relationship with God, our lives will be better than ever as a result. That is a promise from God himself. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Gosh, I just thank you so much that you want a relationship with me. I don't know why. I know my own heart. I know how many times I still, <laughs> I don't even deserve you. How many times I forget that you're there. How, I mean, just so many things, Father. But thank you that your view of me doesn't ever change. You see me and you love me and you want to be with me with an incredible passion. And God, that is true for all of us. There is nothing that you desire more than a relationship with us. That's why you sent Jesus, so that we could have a relationship with you, so that we could know you, so that we could walk with you, so that we could talk to you. Father, thank you. Thank you for that desire that you have. And God, I pray for every single one of us here right now, myself included, everybody watching online. Father, I pray that you would begin to stir up a desire in us where we want to be closer to you. Father, some of us right now, we are, we're afraid of what that means. We're afraid to get too close to you. God, may you quiet those fears on the inside. May your Holy Spirit kind of quench out those fears. Father, there's some of us that honestly were just kind of like, oh, I don't know where to start and it seems too big and I'm not ready to do this yet. Father, would you give us courage? Give us the, the, the desire to want to be with you and the courage to actually follow through. And Father, there are others of us here that we have a relationship with you. We love spending time with you. God, would you help us want that even more? Would you keep growing that desire and that passion to be with you? And Father, I just pray, before we go any further in this series, throughout the course of this series, after this series, Father, may our relationship with you, each and every one of us, may it grow and may it be better than ever. Father, may we be closer to you than we ever have before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.